Well, the final presidential debate of the 2020 campaign is now in the can, and there won't be another presidential debate before the election. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you'd like to subscribe to the show, and we encourage you to do so, please go to the iTunes App Store and simply search out NP Online and subscribe to it that way. If you are an Android user, you can go to the Google Play Store, download the Podbean app. Our hosting service is podbean.com, and you can subscribe to it that way. Either way, the subscription is free, but you will at least be assured of never missing an episode. So everybody is weighing in on last night's debate, and let's unpack it. First of all, not too many surprises as far as the pundits go. Uh, It's very, very clear what's going on here. Um, Whenever liberal pundits, for the most part, declare a debate a draw, that means they lost. Now, they're trying to say it's a draw, and therefore it's a draw. It's a win for Biden because of Biden's ahead in the polls. But I think if you've listened to this podcast and you've heard me explain the internals of the polls and how these polls have been put together, you know that the polls themselves are skewed and not accurate. They they either oversample Democrats in an effort to produce numbers that don't exist or they selectively sample Republicans, uh, population demographics, which they believe are predisposed to vote against Trump, like, say, like white suburban women, supposedly, is a big demographic. Although Trafalgar polling group comes up with a countervailing opinion in any way, we propose to solve it right here. So let's talk about this. If you believe these polls, first of all, just to give you an example, They had one on Fox News, um, a breakdown of the electoral map for the election. Brett Baer, I think, had it. And they were showing Biden winning with something on the order of 280 electoral votes. But if you look again at the breakdown of the polls, uh, of the electoral distribution, you know that it, it can't happen. First of all, This electoral breakdown that gives Biden a victory of 280 some odd votes has Trump winning Michigan and its 16 electoral votes while simultaneously losing Texas and its 38 electoral votes. Now, if you believe that Trump is going to lose Texas, I have a couple of bridges I'd like to sell you and some oceanfront property in Arizona. He's not going to lose Texas. It's just ridiculous. Biden is anti-gun. He's anti-energy. And after last night, with his statements about fracking and he's being called out on a bunch of lies, um, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. But things got a lot worse than that for sleepy old Joe. Now, some of you may or may not know, but if you've been following this show and other conservative outlets, you certainly know that uh, Biden is embroiled, him and his son, Uh, in a very, very major corruption scandal. A hard drive belonging to Hunter Biden was recovered by a tech uh, service firm, I think, I believe. And on it were a lot of emails back and forth between people he was doing business with in Burisma and China and places like that. And in the interim, two additional developments took place to make it even worse for Biden. 
They initially denied that the hard drive belonged to Hunter. Well, that was taken care of by none other than Hunter's lawyer, who called up the firm that had the possession of the hard drive and said, we'd like our client's hard drive back. Well, you don't ask for a hard drive back that isn't yours. So there's no more ambiguity about whether or not the hard drive is genuine and belonged to Hunter Biden. It certainly does. A party to the emails contained in that hard drive, a recipient, Mr. Bobolinsky, an associate of Joe Biden's, I mean, of Hunter Biden's, rather, uh, came forward, identified the emails as genuine, and identified references to the big guy for whom 10% had to be saved as being Joe Biden. So Joe Biden is knee-deep in it. Now, how did last night's debate potentiate that problem? Well, because it happened late in, in the campaign, it's an October surprise. Certain people on the left, Twitter, Facebook, the Silicon Valley crowd, you know them well, have been doing their damnedest to try and suppress this media. Facebook is not going to be allowing any posts on it. Twitter threatened to suppress any tweets that mentioned it. Uh, The mainstream media is largely ignoring it or dismissing it. And the only people that cover it is the post. And then by extension, the Fox News Corporation, Fox News Channel, and not all of them, but a good amount of them, Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, covering this thing. And that's the only way it's getting any traction. But unless you watch or read those outlets, you didn't hear about this. Now, Joe Biden, maybe foolishly in an attempt to get in front of it, brought it up. Now, People are criticizing him for bringing it up. Maybe he thought, look, it was inevitable and Trump's going to bring it up anyway. But maybe not. Trump might not have had an opportunity to bring it up. You just don't know. So in his case, I would say nothing is guaranteed. I wouldn't have brought it up at all. He had no, there was no benefit to him by bringing it up because he really can't get out in front of it. The answer he gave when he brought it up uh, would have been no different going on the attack than it would have been If he answered it in response to Trump, he's going to deny it's true. And that's the end of it. So I wouldn't have mentioned it. So now on national television, many people who otherwise would not have heard about the scandal have now heard about it. And not all of them have voted. Now, the 50 million people that have already voted, not much we can do about that. But the remaining approximately 70 million people who are going to vote still haven't voted yet. Uh, And that's certainly going to affect their votes. Now, Joe Biden is the nominee for the Democratic Party, which has become ultra-left. The Green New Deal is something they came up with. Their left-wing environmental policies is part of their platform. Their ultra-left-wing, which is almost fast becoming the bulk of the party, is rabidly anti-energy, anti-fracking. They don't even know what's involved in fracking, the injection of steam. They somehow think this is a, a tremendous environmental danger, which it is not. They've never had any of the incidents they say they're going to have with respect to the fracking. And I'm sure they were taken aback when Joe Biden says he will not ban fracking. And then he tried to modify it and backpedal it and say, well, I'm only, uh, I will never ban it on private land. I'll only ban it on public land. Uh, he's trying to have it both ways. Meanwhile, on his website, it says they're against fracking. Now, The economies in states like Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Texas, the the Dakotas, 
These places depended largely on fracking and coal. You come out with an anti-energy position, you can't possibly expect to win those states. Trump, for his part, stayed on message, security. He talked about the corruption. I think he made a very effective pitch for explaining why uh, earlier in his life, in his career, he had bank accounts in many different countries. There's nothing surprising to me, or I think to most people, uh, about an international businessman having bank accounts in many different places. And once he realized that he wasn't going to be doing much business in China, he saw no necessity to keep that bank account open, so he closed it. He closed it. So this is what you're dealing with. You're dealing with people who are now desperate. And there's no question that Joe Biden is dirty. But now they've really got the goods on him. And when you are dirty like that, uh, you shouldn't put yourself on front street. Now, maybe he thought he could get away with it because he's gotten away with it for so long. But it seems to me when you have been in politics, even if you've been successful and not getting caught on certain things running for the Congress or the Senate, when you go for all the ball of wax, the holy grail, the presidency, if there's something on you, they definitely find it. That's why I say, and a lot of others say, Donald Trump must be the cleanest man in Washington because they've spent $50 million investigating this guy and they can't find anything. They audit his taxes every year and they can't find anything. So I think Donald Trump acquitted himself very well last night. You noticed everything about him was different than in the first debate. He was more measured. He looked relaxed. He looked rested. He looked collected. He looked focused. And he really wasn't angry. Which leads me to believe, based on the timing of his COVID-19 diagnosis and the incubation period, Donald Trump may already have been in the process of being sick or worn out. And when you get sick, you get a little irritable. So we already don't know. And he doesn't like it when people attack him with falsehoods to begin with. So that may have played in. Whatever the explanation, it was a different Donald Trump last night. He did very well for himself. And I think he's on the offensive. Uh, And I think he's on the upswing. All of the polling data indicates that Trump is surging. The Trafalgar polling group, which is the polling group, uh, which is the only one that got it right in 2016, has a very sophisticated way of polling uh, that's designed to help them identify this silent Trump vote or this sleeper vote. Uh, They they called them the uh, silent Trump voters. Excuse me, I forgot to silence my phone. They called it the silent Trump voters in 2016. Now they're calling it the sleeper vote. And they've identified, believe it or not, the most unlikely of demographics to be uh, a sleeper vote. Most white males are unapologetically Trump voters. Um, But white suburban women, a group we've been told hates Trump, and urban black women are among the two biggest groups that are suspected to be sleeper Trump voters. And if that's true, that's going to cause a lot of angst on the part of the Democratic ticket. Now, circulating on the Internet today was something very interesting. A friend of mine sent me one. It was supposed to be an internal message or something from someone who was on the DNC staff, which says there was an emergency meeting held, uh, not necesarily in the aftermath of the debate. I think regardless of the debate or not, this was going to be done. An emergency meeting to try and replace Joe Biden on the ticket. 
Well, quite frankly, I don't see how you can do this. I mean, you might have been able to do it if you weren't the party that pushed for all this mail-in voting and this early voting, which is just an opportunity for corruption. There should only be two ways to vote. You either vote in person on Election Day or you request an absentee ballot. That's it. Everything else is just fraud. If you can't see that or oppose that, you're corrupt. Well, regardless, it's not the world we live in. We have early voting. We have mail-in voting, which is unsolicited. We have absentee ballots. And as a consequence of all this, 50 million people have already cast their votes in this election. They cast their votes based on the choices they thought they had. Those who voted for Biden elected to vote for Biden and against Donald Trump. Those who elected to vote for Trump elected to vote for Trump and against Joe Biden, because that's what they thought their choices were. If Joe Biden was suddenly to be removed and be replaced by, let's say, Hillary Clinton, which this message also purports to represent, they figured that Kamala Harris could never win, Bernie Sanders was too left, so they're going to bring Hillary Clinton in there. First of all, I don't know how they do this. It sort of truncates all the primaries that took place. And secondly, these 50 million people who voted could say, well, if I had known that Hillary Clinton was going to be the nominee, uh, I wouldn't have voted for Trump. I would have voted for Hillary. Or they could say, if I had known that Hillary Clinton was going to be the nominee, I wouldn't have voted for Biden. I would have, I would have voted for Trump. So you can't do it at this late stage. But if they are discussing it, and it is true, uh, then it's a sign of desperation. But we don't know. So we'll have to find out. It may come out later that this happened or did not happen. Crazy Joe is in trouble. It seems to me when you are trying to run for the highest office in the land, you have to go out and grab it, especially when you're running against an incumbent. And by the way, according to Rasmussen in the latest polling, which is a very accurate polling group, uh, Donald Trump has a job approval rating currently of 52 percent. Incumbents with job approval ratings above 50% usually just don't go on to lose their re-election bids. They win. I'm sorry if people are upset about that, but that's the way it is. He's got a 52% job approval rating, and when people are questioned in these polls as to who they're going to vote for, and after they give their answer, they ask, they're asked, now putting all your biases aside and being as objective as you can, who do you think your neighbors are going to vote for? Who do you think is going to win the presidential election? 56% say Trump. And that's a technique used by Trafalgar polling group to try and identify these shy Trump voters because they believe that a good percentage of the people who say they're not voting for Trump or are voting for Biden, uh, when they answer the other question, they're giving the true answer of who they intend to vote for when they say they think uh, that their neighbors are going to vote for Trump and that Trump is going to win. Now, Florida, I think Trump is very comfortably ahead. The Latino vote in Florida, very strong. He's polling very high amongst Latinos. Now, even in the first debate, the snap poll conducted by Telemundo, 64% of those Latino viewers gave Trump the victory. Only 30 some odd percent gave Biden the victory. Last night, there was a WGN poll um, taken right after the debate. 74% said Trump won the debate. 74%. And yet you have these pundits going around saying, I thought Biden was sharp. I thought he, he uh, uh, 
was a draw. Then you got that guy I used to respect, Frank Luntz, who I think is now an idiot, saying that his polling group thought that Biden was more specific on his plans. Biden wasn't specific. Biden spoke in generalities and platitudes. We're going to get out there. We're going to bring everybody together. We're going to get on a table. Light is better than dark. Uh, Dark is worse than light. I mean, the guy had no sense. And at one point, the longer the debate ran on, the more his mental faculties began to erode. I don't know if you caught this. You got to listen with a very, very constructive ear. He was talking about the $15 minimum wage. And he went about lamenting, don't you have respect for people? Respect for those first responders? The guys who sacrificed their lives? Don't they deserve a $15 an hour minimum wage? Ladies and gentlemen, first responders. We're talking about police officers, firemen, firefighters, sorry. EMT workers, these people don't work for $15. They don't work for a minimum wage. What is he talking about? Look, at the end of the day, if at the totality of the performance, the one thing that you have to come away with as a general impression is that Joe Biden looked old. He looked old. He looked frail at times confused, at times like a deer in the headlights who appeared to be reading something or listening to something that was being told to him. He did not give the impression of a vigorous man who was ready to run the biggest economy in the world for the next four years. He doesn't look like he could run it for the next four weeks. Donald Trump, on the other hand, looked like a man who just came off a vacation, suntanned, vigorous, sure of himself, with energy to burn. There's no way you can call that a draw. There's no way you can call it anything but a resounding Trump victory. Sorry. There's no other way to call it. I just want to touch on one ancillary point. A big issue was made of energy and green energy and so forth and wind and solar. Let me just explain something to you people. And I'm talking as much to you people on the left as people on the right. And you should listen to this because this is true. And it's logic. So if you just listen, it makes sense. If we could come up with alternative forms of energy that would be able to supply the energy that we need now and be clean, and it was financially feasible, it was comparably priced in terms of cost to produce the energy to what we use now, don't you think we would do it? We would do it. Many years ago, I was down at a at a seminar that I was doing at, at British Petroleum, lecturing on a subject they had hired me to come down there and speak on. And among my degrees that I have is, a, is an MBA, and I asked them why they didn't market this, uh, themselves more as an energy company rather than an oil company. Because one of the things I was studying when I took my MBA was how a company defines itself determines how long it will last. And they gave an example of Baldwin locomotives. Baldwin locomotives at the time was the finest maker of steam locomotives in the, in the country. But as steam became antiquated, Baldwin locomotives did not try and move into the area of diesel locomotives or electric locomotives. They stuck with steam. And when steam finally went into technical obsolescence, Baldwin locomotives went out of business. 
looking at this as an extension, a larger picture, the railroads, if they viewed themselves as in the rail freight business and other ways of carrying freight became available, like trucking and air freight, like in jumbo jets and so forth, and the railroads continued to just focus on rail freight, they would soon either have a sharp contraction in their business or be out of business. Instead, it's best to define yourself as in the freight business. And so when other means of moving freight become available, you acquire them in addition to your rail business until such time as your core business rail becomes technologically obsolescent. You acquire an air wing, you require a trucking wing. This is how you stay current. Well, BP has now taken that position. They now look at themselves as an energy company. And as long as they look at themselves as an energy company, they would acquire clean energy production sources because they're in the business of producing energy, not just mining oil. If they could produce energy and sell it, comparable to the costs of oil, if they could produce energy and sell it, comparable to the price of oil in wind, in solar, or other clean energy, they would do it. The reason why they don't do it is because right now it's not financially feasible, which is why they all need government subsidies. And if it needs a government subsidy to work, it's not going to work. Now, oil is not subsidized, contrary to to what Biden says. They're given tax incentives so they can go out and find new oil, uh, but they're not subsidized to the extent that, like, Tesla was. Without government subsidization, uh, Tesla and these companies could never survive. They'd be, un- they'd be underwater. But these oil companies do make money. One of the reasons why they're having problems in California is because their grid can't supply the power because they vested too much in the silly wind and solar, and solar isn't up to snuff. We don't have a solar cell efficient enough to be able to supply enough power. Look, the bigger the house, the more power you need, right? I see these houses here on the East Coast. They've got pretty big roofs. Great southern exposure. The entire bloody roof is filled with solar panels. It still doesn't produce enough power. And in many places, if you want a wind vane, you're forbidden by zoning code to have one unless you have over five acres of land. Who's living on five acres of land in many areas in the suburbs in the United States? You can't afford it. Land is too expensive. So you either have to change the zoning laws and have an unsightly little windmill in everybody's backyard, which a lot of people are not going to like, or you're going to have to have better solar panels. But the problem, the bottom line is you just can't walk away and abandon coal and abandon oil and gasoline, all these things, until these other alternative forms of renewable energy have been developed to the point where they are financially feasible. So I hope that puts it to rest. Anyway, I wanted to weigh in before the weekend on the debate because I was really, really pleased with the president's performance last night. If you're a supporter of his, you should be too. We'll be back here next week, either Monday or Tuesday, with another podcast. Please enjoy the weekend. And remember, we're getting down to the wire. If you're going to mail your absentee ballot in, mail it. If not, show up on Election Day, show up with a crowd, show up with your friends, and vote. Vote for the President of the United States. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.